1961, Michael Rockefeller, son of then governor of New York State, Nelson Rockefeller, mysteriously disappeared off the remote coast of uh, southern New Guinea. And um, amidst the glare of international public interest, the governor, along with his daughter, Mary, Michael's twin, set off on an uh, extremely futile search only to return empty-handed and empty-hearted. What followed were Mary's 27-year repression of her grief and an unconscious denial of her twin's death, which haunted her relationships and controlled her life from that point on. This is Greg Grasso with the Marshall Public Library Hour, and today we're talking with Mary Morgan, author of this inspiring and very healing book, Beginning with the End. Mary, thank you for coming in today. Well, I'm very pleased to be with you, Greg. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We, um, we were just talking off, uh, off air about uh, bereavement in general, loss. Um, I found your book um, extremely inspiring. I, uh, uh, boy, as, as, as long as I can remember uh, um, open, I, I just remember funerals, uh, aunts, uncles, grandparents, uh, um, you know, leaving and uh, the impact, the uh, the trauma um, uh, that this uh, incurs on uh, on myself and other people. You know, uh, age has no boundary uh, when we lose someone close to us. And uh, Mary, I'd like to uh, have you talk about uh, your experience um, and what uh, what this book has meant to you writing this book. Well, you know, um, the book began, I'm a, um, as I think you said, I'm a psychotherapist, and um, now um, in the last 10 years I've begun, begun to specialize mainly in working with twins and twin bereavement. But it all started in 2001 with the Twin Tower disaster here in New York City. And um, through a series of very fascinating and kind of synchronistic things that happened to me, I began to work with the tw- with twins that had lost their twin in the Twin Tower disaster. And um, what happened was that, that um, I, I, I convened a group that lasted for two years. And these twins that came together were so extraordinary. Um, I was just absolutely... I was awed and amazed. Um, here I was, a twin who had lost her twin in an accident out in New, Gu- New Guinea where my twin was never found. And I was sitting with twins who lost their twin in a twin this disaster, most of whom never found their twins either, never knew what happened to them, other than they were last seen there going to work. Um, and... These twins sat in, 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 in a circle with me, and they immediately trusted each other. They immediately related to each other. They immediately felt comfortable sharing their stories. And here I was, their therapist, and because I had never talked to anybody about this, any, or never talked to another twin about my loss or found another twin who had had a loss, during that period, I was so 
overtaken with the idea that I wanted to share my story, too, that I wanted to just sit and be a part of the group. And I realized that that was impossible, that I, the gift of what I was giving was that I was going to be able to be there for them, for their stories and help them to heal, not engage them with mine. But I had that tremendous feeling that arose in me at that time. Then along with that, they asked me after a year, they said, Mary, will you please write a book about twin bereavement? And will you, will you talk about us and will you share the issues of twin loss and what makes our loss unique in that whole sphere of deep personal loss so that people will understand what's happened to us and be able to be present for us because we feel so totally isolated from the world. So that was what got me to really consider and allow myself to really move into the place where I spent five and a half years to write the book. Right. And that was really a hugely important part of my life because even though I had done my healing, basically completed my healing in those 27 years, which started out with, you know, the the loss of, of Michael in New Guinea and going with my father to search for him. And then that futile search with when we found nothing, coming home and realizing that there was just that people could not be present for this extended sense of terrible uh, grief that we all felt. We didn't talk about it. We were in the 50s late 50s, early 60s, um, coming out of being, you know, growing up in the 50s and moving into the 60s. And people didn't talk about loss. People moved on. Our culture still tries to move on and repress grief. Mm -hmm. So I spent those years um, with this repressed grief and denial of my death working through me in various fascinating ways, and that's what I talk about in the book. Yeah. And then how I actually came to the point where that, where the, where the issue of the, uh, where I was strong enough as an individual that I was able to face the death of my twin and to do the healing work that I needed. But, you know, it's interesting because in twin loss, what is unique about twin loss is that twins is first the twin bond. Twins grow in relationship from the moment of their conception in the womb. And the fascinating thing is that at 14 weeks, that's really the, just the very beginning of the second trimester. The new sonograms are showing that they're already reaching out to each other in a very primitive form of relationship. They're already reaching out in connection. Yeah. So by the time they're born, they're bonded. And they, they, even if their twinship, you know, develops into a conflicted relationship, that, that, that conflict is seated in an enormous connection, which just doesn't disappear. It's within their cells. So our sense of identity, twin sense of identity, really begins as an I in the frame of a we. And that makes it very difficult if we haven't separated and individuated, mm. which is something that is a, is a big challenge for twins. If that hasn't taken place, it becomes very difficult to begin the healing process because we feel like we're only half of ourselves. Mm -hmm. We just don't, I mean, we don't even know how to relate 
to ourselves, more or less, the world. Because I know when people with deep personal loss um, begin their journey, they're terribly disconnected from their world. Well, you add to that a sense of disconnection from your very self, and you get an even more difficult and challenging situation for twins. Wow. I, you know, I'm not a psychotherapist. I, I, of course, uh, there are many facets of... uh, of individualism in this world, and and psychology plays a plays a part in all that um, in a, in any dynamic you're in. Um, I I kind of understand that. Um, I remember losing family members: a grandfather, uh, an uncle, an aunt. Um, now, at a very young age, of course, we we don't understand this. Uh, and when we're children, when we're you know young, under you know like ten years old, it's it's hard. I mean, I remember uh, standing over my great grandmother's uh, casket, uh, open casket, Catholic, Polish, Italian family, um, and and just going, you know, thinking, I I don't get this. You know, what is it? So. I can understand uh, the complexity of um, of losing your identity because really twins twins are connected. Um, they build on each other's identity, right? They help. Um, uh, I, I don't know what the what the uh, scientific term would be, but uh, I'm sure there's a. Uh, uh, a dynamic that allows each one to develop individually yet stay connected, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. Hmm. So, and I mean, twins at two, we all know what the terrible twos are. Yeah. And um, at two, you know, often because mothers, the twins are usually born in the last part of the reproductive cycle for mothers. Mm-hmm. So often they're the last children in, in the in the family. There's already an enormous amount of um, challenge for the mother, and then she has twins on top of it. And, um, you know, her life is, and her, and her husband's life are usually very, very full and, and challenged. Sometimes there are issues of health, you know, and whatever hits a family. Right. And the twins get along, you know, they, they're used to each other, and they, and they take care of each other. They don't need playmates. They have each other. Mm-hmm. So often the separation from the mother um, and from themselves, that separation in the first separation and individuation phrase, really doesn't complete itself mm-hmm. because they use each other as their linus blanket, so to speak, mm-hmm. or what we would call on the trade the transition object. Mm-hmm. And so then they move through their lives, you know, um, kind of depending on each other instead of being able to reach out into the world and to really have the experiences that complete the picture of what an I is. Hmm. Who am I? So one of the things that twins have to do in the healing experience is they need to really consolidate that sense of I Hmm. and to get a real sense of what it means to be an I. And that needs to be part of what people help them to do and twins and we all I was thinking of you as a little boy who's 10 years old looking at your grandfather's grave or your grandmother's grave Mm -hmm. we don't understand Mm -hmm. 
um, we're so separated from the natural world. And unless we are introduced to death as part of life mm-hmm. from the time we're little, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, we don't understand that death takes a very important part of our life mm-hmm. and that our life within ourselves is constantly a dying and being reborn. I mean, even when we're little kids learning how to swim, we have to leave the side of the pool in order to swim. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, we have to die to the safety of the side of the pool Mm -hmm. in order to learn how to be free in the water and be able to swim. We can't, we, 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 one thing comes to an end and another thing begins. That is completely shown in the natural world to us all the time, but we're separated as we live in cities. Mm-hmm. We don't even understand that, what our, that our food comes, that death of the animal that we eat brings life to us, mm-hmm. that we're in a constant cycle of living and dying and living again. And it makes it harder for the child to understand what place death takes in their life and it becomes even more devastating, and no, then nobody wants to talk about it. You know, you just brought something up that I've been observing for many, many years. Okay, I just got through saying when I was a little kid, I was experienced, introduced to that process at a very young age. I grew up through my teens more and more and more. As I got older, I noticed that I didn't I didn't push down the feelings at the funeral or at the loss, the news of the loss, but I understood it. I understood the process a little bit more, which gave me the strength to get through it. I've got, I've got many friends, um, my age in their, you know, mid fifties, um, and older. Um, and, uh, I've watched them handle, death in their lives um, over the years. Now, (laughs) I got one guy, you know, who never, I I got a friend who never experienced that as a child. So when he lost his father a few years ago, it, it, it absolutely destroyed this guy. I mean, he is still just, just a total wreck over this thing. Now, is it because, is it because he didn't experience that as a child or I mean, it just makes sense that if you experience something early in life, you you recognize it, you process it happens again. I mean, it's just like anything else. You know, um, you go through things more often. You can understand it. Is that, is that just the basic psyche of us uh, as a psychotherapist? How does that work? Well, I think that that's true. I think if you understand and you see nature, I mean, when I was out in nature um, with my healing experience, that helped me tremendously. And seeing, I mean, I'll never forget this beautiful tree that was kind of like a birch tree with beautiful birch bark. I don't know if you've ever seen a birch tree. Oh, I grew up in New England. Absolutely. Yeah, so silver bark, Mm -hmm. right? And the tree had fallen down, Mm -hmm. and the bark... Had begun, had begun to just open up and just lay itself out on either side of the trunk of the tree. And the trunk of the tree literally had turned into earth. 
mm-hmm. a kind of a loamy earth. And out of the earth was coming the most beautiful, tiny little seedlings of birch trees and little pine trees and little mushrooms and beautiful moss. All kinds of life was being born out of the death of that tree. Mm-hmm. And it was, the, it was the most healing thing for me to see that. And, um, you know, to get back to, to, to the whole issue of the, your friend who's, whose father died, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a very complicated thing. Mm-hmm. It re- probably relates a lot to the life that he had with his father. Maybe there were issues with his father that he hadn't integrated, that he hadn't come to completion about. Mm-hmm. So maybe there was a whole lot of unfinished um, situations in relationship to his father that he now realizes he could never complete. Mm-hmm. Maybe there were things that his father never did for him. Maybe there were things that made him angry. Maybe there were things that he was so sad that he never had from his father. So that it would be wonderful if he could get the help of a therapist to really go through that and see if he could heal the relationship in relation to his father so he could let go the physical presence of his father mm. and then be present for the greater life of his father that's mm. beyond the death if you see what i'm saying absolutely but it's complicated and unique each person's is unique but often our feelings about death have to do with how we have lived our life as you were saying what experiences we have how we have seen death and then our relationship with that particular person who has died. That's, that hits a point. Um, I'm the oldest of eight kids, Catholic, Italian, East Coast, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Born in the early 50s. Okay. Wonderful big family. Wow. Big family. Great family. I mean, wonderful times, uh, memories of, uh, of, but, but, but being the oldest, okay, I had to step up a lot. I had to, uh, forego a lot of things because my dad taught me at an early age, you know, the responsibility of work. You work first, mm-hmm. you play later, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But, but there, was also, um, there was also a dynamic between my father and myself. I went through many different stages in my life. My dad, <clears throat> my dad um, unfortunately, was raised in a, uh, uh, a violent um, uh, household. Uh, his father was a SOB and uh, immigrant from it, uh, from Italy and a contractor. And um, and when he had money in his pocket, he was the best friend anybody could have. But boy, when things were tight, he he turned rogue. And my dad learned these survival skills. Okay, um, at, at very young age. Um, at 17, went over to the Pacific, and uh, uh, he uh, ended up on Guam at 17 years old um, and, uh, you know, went through a lot of crap, uh, went through a lot of traumatic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it imprinted him. Um, he, he comes out, out of the war, gets married, has babies, but he held but, – but, but he was so traumatized as a youngster that he did not know how to how to handle um, children. He did because he was struggling for so long with his own feelings about his father. 
um, that carried over. Okay. Yes. You know, you, you colored you, everything that was happening. To yeah, 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 yeah. So as a kid, you know, um, I was scared to death of my dad. Uh, mid-teens, uh, got a little, hey, I'm not going to let this guy push me around anymore. So, you know, didn't like him. Um, I never sat down with my father until I was in my late 30s and talked to him about why he did what he did when, you know, when we were growing up, you know, went through all that stuff, forgave him. But, but it took me many, many, many years to understand that impression. So, um, my point is that, uh, that at a very young age, we, we kind of have this, uh, uh, genetic imprint uh, we develop into who we're going to be and that relationship with our family members with with twins with siblings is extremely important correct because it helps us solve problems you know we we learn how to solve problems at a young age if we don't you know if if something traumatic happens um, it kind of uh, messes that whole process up doesn't it well, yeah, and but but what you're talking about also is connection here, it seems to me, in relationship. Yes. And healing from any deep loss takes place in relationship. Mm-hmm. It takes place first in relationship to ourselves, mm-hmm. which means that we are true to our feelings when they come up, because that's how grieving and healing happens, is when we... We bear witness to the feelings we have and the memories that come up naturally. Mm -hmm. And we bear witness to them and we express them in some form. Mm -hmm. And whether that be in uh, in connection to a group, because there's how the connection happens to other people. And where we can share, where we share. And just as you learn coping skills by being in a large family... We learn how to heal by being in a group of people who can share our stories and we can be present for their stories. That all is part of the healing, uh, you know, of the, what I call the healing connection because we, we step out of isolation, which is the very ultimate beginning of of loss, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we are isolated in our loss. We're disconnected from our world. Mm-hmm. So we come back into connection um, um, with ourselves, first in our feelings, and then with other people. And then we move into community through that connection. Mm-hmm. And it, for, because it is in relationship that we heal. Mm-hmm. And we, in breaking the disconnection and breaking the isolation, we begin to move forward. And little children know all about relationship. Little children are curious. You know, little children are are open. But as we grow older, from the wounds we have and whatever, we tend to close off. So if we can, one of the things that my book really shows, I try to, to have my story be the illustrator, be the thing that illustrates the whole issue of loss and the and the difficulties one faces and the really underbelly of grief and the underbelly of repression and then how that breaks open and how the healing happens in connection. Um, Mary, you've got an amazing, compassionate um, soul. I... 
I'm wondering. Um, <laughs> when I'm listening, I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking, man, this this gal gets it. Um, was it mom? Was it your mom? What you know that allowed you to understand this? Was it the relationship with Michael? What what was going on with you two, with your family, um, prior to this tragedy? How did? How did you... Yeah, you know, that's so interesting because mom, my mom, I have the most incredible respect for my mother. and But the sadness of my mother, and that was a big piece in the book, mm-hmm. when I actually mm-hmm. um, come home and my mom, it, because she had just lost her husband, her husband had just left her for another woman, right. and then she lost her son, all within a space of three weeks. Yeah. And... Um, I think she just could not see any other way forward other than to just repress the grief because I think she felt like if she ever connected with it, maybe she w- would never be able to stop crying. Maybe she would fall apart and not be able to support her family at all. So my mother was really aborted the process, the natural process of healing. Whoa. And I know, and see, I, I believe that in a, in the natural, what I call the natural healing imperative. Mm-hmm. And I believe we have this within us, that just like when we cut ourselves, we have a physical process that, that just, you know, starts happening all over our body in order to heal that wound. Mm-hmm. We have the same thing psychologically in our psyche. But that if we don't bear witness to how it's unfolding to us and be present for it and share it, then then it doesn't work. It doesn't happen. Right. And, you know, in terms of, so, so that's one of the big things that I want to really cry out loud through my book is you can heal. There is a way of healing. Healing means letting go of the physical life of the person who is already gone. Mm-hmm. That that imprint that is imprinted in your in your heart and in yourself, that physicality has to be let go. But once that happens, you then come back into connection with the person who is always your twin, mm-hmm. who is always going to be your father, who is always your mother. Mm-hmm. You know, who whose love for you and whose relationship to you is everlasting. But until you can let go what has happened, the physical, the physicality, the loss of the physical presence, you cannot be free to really be present for the love, and you keep getting thrown back into the death and the grief. Now, you asked me a minute ago, why am I like I am? I I don't know. I, I think that twins, interestingly enough, twins are... You can see them all over the healing professions. Hmm. It's really fascinating. I think the twin bond, it's like you, if you heal, you have the power of one, as Joan Woodward said, this wonderful <laughs> um, therapist um, in England said, a twin who lost her twin and began a whole movement to help twins there. She said, you have the power of one. I mean, you have, you become one, but you remain with the power of two. 
And I think that knowing a loving connection in that intimate way, I feel very comfortable with other people. And I really love other people. Hmm. And I, I don't understand that I feel very blessed with the enthusiasm of my father, with, uh, with, with his love of art, with his love of beauty, right. and with the, you know, the wonderful way in which my mother believed in what it was right and said there are no shortcuts to doing the right thing and to being present with the truth. Mm-hmm. I think those things were all hugely important. But um, I, I guess I feel safe inside myself now, knowing that my home is, is connected to a greater source, that the great mystery of life, the great oneness, which some people call God, people have it, experienced it in so many different ways. But I feel that life and death actually exists in the context of a larger larger context of life itself, that life itself is bigger, mm-hmm. that our, 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 our twin that we lose or the loved one we lose is bigger than um, their loss, mm-hmm. than the moment of their death. Their life is bigger than that. And we, in healing, are able to stay connected to that and to experience that as a support in our life right. and a loving presence. But we have to let go the physical manifestation of that person in, 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 our, in our psyche. We have to, and in our, from our bodies, we have to let that go in order to heal. Mary, as a psychotherapist, do you find, well, own it, my own experience, men handle this kind of thing much differently than women? I know a lot of guys who uh, – I'm, I'm sensitive. I've been sensitive since I was a little kid. I can walk into a room. I can feel energy. I can, I can sense that people are angry or happy or whatever. It's just me. It's very confusing. Uh, it's, it's taken me a long time to figure this out and to be able to use these you know, gifts or whatever yeah. it's called. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I, I care about humanity. I care about – a lot of things that most guys don't care about. So <laughs> I think because I'm sensitive, um, because I've allowed myself to go through what I've gone through in my life, um, I see myself handling things a little differently than, let's say, you know, my buddy John, who's a, you know from South Chicago and a jock and, you know, was raised differently. Mm-hmm. So... Is 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 there something in the psyche of a of a female and a male that's different? Real quickly, that that, that la- because where I'm going, where I'm going with this is, I would really like to see a lot of guys read this book because I think I think they they would you know understand a little bit more you know I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is it between the male and female as a psychotherapist? Well, I mean, I, I think people love to categorize situations okay. in people. Mm-hmm. And I think we do that, and I include myself in that. I think we do that in order to make, to help us to understand the situation and to be able to control it or deal with it mm. or heal it or whatever. Mm. My feeling is our culture has a lot to do with 
with how we look at grief and how men look at grief. Mm. I think tears are very difficult um, for right. men. Right. Um, I think that um, I think some people are criers. Some people are natural criers. Mm. Other people are not. Mm. I really have had to learn that. Mm. Some people really do not heal as much through tears. Hmm. Um, I know that my husband relates to his feelings and can process his feelings and can integrate what's happening to him through running. He's been a runner all his life. Mm -hmm. That has been an enormous way for him to come to terms with the emotional um, context of his life. Hmm. Um, I think that that what I would love for men is that men be able to share more between themselves, that, they, that, they, that their relationships go beyond what they are doing to, you know, how they are feeling, if you see what I'm saying. Uh, absolutely. And, um, but it's, it's uh, and I think, I think that I would love more men to read this book. I've had men have read this book and been moved by the book, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. And the thing is that, you know, I'm going to say it sounds silly, but I love men. I was born in relationship to a male. Right. I feel totally comfortable in relationship to men. Mm-hmm. And I have incredible friendships with men. And I think maybe that's because I'm so used to them. I'm so used to being a twin and my twin being a male. Right. So I I know there are differences between men and women, and those are good differences. You know, and I think I think we should we should support our differences as as well as as and to respect them. And um, healing in connection, you know, and in, 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 you know, uh, is is an important thing. But twins have to lo- know that they can't expect the kind of intimacy that they had in twinship. And that I deal with a lot in the section called Moving Forward with, in my book. Yes. The whole thing about how twins are, it's so difficult for them to move forward and, and create new relationships because they keep expecting them to be like their twinship, and they can't be. And how I worked with that in my life, I, I talk about that in my book also. Yeah. Well, Mary, I found this book, um, as I said before, um, Extremely inspiring, and uh, this this touched a note in my uh, self. Um, I uh, I really enjoyed it. It was uh, it was a little uh, liberating for me because it it allowed me to understand a couple things I've been dealing with. You know, we all uh, we all put stuff down and. Uh, because either we can't or don't want to handle it at the time. But um, I, I found, uh, um, well, I don't know. I just found your book uh, to be very, very warm and uh, uh, inspiring. Uh, but it also, again, it uh, it allowed me to see a little bit more of myself than I've been able to see. Um, well, that, that's really my goal. Yeah. Because people have enormous wisdom inside them. Yeah. And if they allow it to come forward and recognize the places where they're moving forward and build on those places and take the time and know, you know, that, 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 that healing and growing is a continual process. Right. And, um, 
you know, so I'm very thrilled that you, you were touched by my book, and and I hope that you know my book can can have a role in helping people and in liberating people in some sense. So I thank you so much for giving me the chance to come and talk to you, Greg. Oh, Mary, it's been a it's been a pleasure. It really has. Um, on that note, I'd like to. Uh you know, thank our uh, audience for listening. Um, I want to sp- send out a uh, special thanks to NPR and KISU uh, for helping us make this program possible. Um, again, uh, we've been talking with Mary R. Morgan. Uh, she's got a wonderful book called Beginning with the End. It's a memoir of twin loss and healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm encouraging everyone to... Uh, Get a taste of this because uh, no matter who you are, uh, no matter what you do, uh, this book will definitely uh, open up some areas and allow the reader to uh, maybe help understand a little bit about themselves. And Mary, um, please uh, please tell us where we can find this. I'm, I'm, you know, yeah, you can you can buy it. You can probably order it or find it maybe in your bookstore yeah. or you can certainly order it on Amazon um, my my um, website is www.beginningwiththeend.com and that will tell you a lot more and give you a little bit more sense of, of me and um, and the book and what I'm trying to do and resources also to connect with um, which might be helpful. Great. Um, Mary, thank you very much. Uh, on behalf of the Marshall Public Library, this is Greg Grasso, thanking author Mary R. Morgan for spending time with us today. Until then, um, keep reading, everybody. Thank you.